Welcome, everyone, to today's expert series podcast from the Berkeley Center for Law and Technology. I'm your host, Wayne Stacy, and today we're going to talk about federal regulators and their activity in the tech space. In particular, how are federal regulators addressing technology issues, and is there an increased appetite for enforcement? To help guide this discussion today, we have two of the, the nation's leading experts from Paul Hastings. Well, first, we have Ken Herzinger and Eric Sivet. So welcome to both of you, and thank you for joining us. Thanks a lot, Wayne. Thanks for having us. So let me just kick off with the, the first piece of this, and we're going to focus really on the, the SEC. So on August 30th, uh, the SEC announced actions against eight firms for violation of the safeguards rule related to cybersecurity. What are the, the main findings of those actions that attorneys need to know about? Yeah, so uh, these cases were actually um, the last three um, of a string of cases that have been uh, charged since May 2021 Been a real uptick. And uh, these cases were were interesting because the SEC uh, charged these firms under the, uh, the safeguards rule, which applies to uh, broker dealers and requires them to protect um, investor, investor data by putting in controls and policies and procedures. And what the SEC found, for example, um, is with respect to Cetera, that the, uh, the entity's cloud-based email accounts of over 60 personnel had been taken over by unauthorized third parties and resulted in the exposure of um, their personal information, PII, of roughly 4,388 uh, customers and clients. And what the SEC said, both in, in the various orders they charged, as well as the, the press release, is it's not enough to have policies and procedures to protect uh, you know, identifying information held by investors on your platforms, but you need to actually go out and put teeth to those, those policies and procedures and enforce them. And when you see red flags, you need to go out and, and stop the activity. Uh, the kind of the high level takeaway that, that I thought was most interesting is one, it showed that there's a real tight um, working relationship right now between the OC, uh, formerly OC, now the examination staff and the enforcement staff. So this one bubbled up out of a, a, uh, a uh, all, all of these actually bubbled up out of examinations. And then the other piece is that this, you know, shows the staff is getting more aggressive, uh, not just about SEC regulation, but about protest protecting customer data itself, which is a little bit of an extension really beyond uh, the rule. And, and overall, the securities laws, if you think about it, sort of starting to sway a little bit in the data privacy area. But that, that's kind of my, my overall take on these cases. Well, I mean, I think that's a, that's a great point that when people think about the SEC, data privacy doesn't automatically pop to mind as something that they're interested in. Um, I mean, are they just trying to get people in line or do you see this as a long-term enforcement mechanism for them? Well, I, I think under the current new administration, uh, so at least for the next three or so years, I, I think this is a, a longer term extension. I think it's a signal of more to come. We'll see you know, what the next um, administration has to hold. But, but I, I do see them, and this is just one area, 
uh, of, of where the staff seems to be pushing the envelope on the regulatory authority. Is there enough guidance from them right now for the typical corporate attorney to understand how to advise their, their client? That's a great question. Um, you know, I, I think this guidance, the particular guidance, you know, Reg, Reg SP has been out for a while, um, but the enforcement staff is enforcing it in new and unique ways. So I think, you know, it, it's not something that's been upwriting on the wall for, for a long time. And I think, uh, you know, most of the defense lawyers in this space see changes afoot and I, I think are going to need to adapt to it. Um, because I, I don't think the guidance has been crystal clear in the last uh, couple of years on this sort of issue. Well, if you were going to talk to companies about what they need to do with regard to cybersecurity at this point, to what are some of the, the foundational pieces you would recommend they put in place? So um, with respect to publicly traded companies, I, I think they, they definitely need to take a hard look at not just their disclosures surrounding, um, you know, potential incidents, but they need to take a, you know, a, a real deep dive into their internal processes and procedures. And the SEC has made it clear that they expect uh, there to be coordination, no siloing between, you know, various different departments, and they also expect there to be escalation of potentially material incidents up through leadership. Um, to the audit committee, to the risk committee, uh, and then you know also uh, disclosure uh, committee, and that this all be embodied within a company's policies and procedures. Um, I, th I think companies also should be looking at their um, insider trading policies and procedures and making sure that there's sufficient language with respect to potential Reg FD violations, insider trading uh, violations, and then taking a look at their, their um, uh, trading blackout policies, and they should be incorporating a, uh, a potential hold within the blackout period for matters that rise to a, a significant enough level where they could be, you know, material, and and at least make a you know a determination of whether or not the hold should go in place. But I, I think those are some of the things that the staff is looking at when they start to do their investigation and really probing um, beyond disclosures and and looking beyond whether or not there was intentional wrongdoing. Some of these cases reflect that they've charged companies um, for internal control violations, even where they didn't find intentional or reckless wrongdoing. And so that that to me is a shift. So if the, the SEC is, is shifting or, or expanding, uh, depending on what, what word you want to use there, are they they're really stepping on the toes of, of any other federal agencies? Well, it, it's interesting. This whole area is kind of unique in that all of these companies are victims when you think about it. So um, I, I think to the extent they're stepping on toes, they did that a long time ago when they threw their hat in the ring. But, um, but yeah, there sometimes is conflict between a company that's cooperating with the FBI, for example, to, to catch bad threat actors, you know, um, uh, international threat actors, and then yet at the same time responding to a subpoena from the SEC with respect to the same incident. And 
I guess going forward, how do you see see the interplay between these agencies? I I do think um, that there will be more coordination, um, and there has been in the past, but I think there'll be more information uh, sharing and more coordination because of the um, the national security risk that goes on, um, and and some of it will be you know geared at, at just solely protecting the uh, you know the, the client or you know the information holder. But I do think the, there will be cases where the SEC, for example, will get leads on cases that may funnel in from other governmental agencies that they didn't previously have access to. Um, and and that the SEC themselves uh, will start uh, looking for leads off of other incidents. And one real good example, which has caught the press recently, is the solar winds incident. So, you know, that started out, you know, a, a true um, overseas international hack to steal government secrets and then private company secrets. And now it's it's become a pretty massive um, SEC sweep. And so I, I think we're going to likely see more of that uh, in the future. So for the, the company that's participating, working both with the, the FBI and then looking at the potential problem of the SEC, what do they need to be thinking about in terms of not becoming their own worst enemy? I think you always just need to be cognizant that um, the information you're providing and, and the, the, the data and the witnesses that you may be producing, you know, as is often um, and disclose to them and provide them. That information may be used or accessed by other governmental agencies, including the SEC. And so I, I think as you're preparing to respond to the other agencies or, or bringing in witnesses, you just always need to have that in mind that the statements they're making could end up you know, in some other type of proceeding, including one ultimately against the company. Well, Eric, as we shift to a, a different area of, of the S. SEC, you know, they're looking into the, the decentralized finance issues, uh, it seems fairly aggressively. Uh, can you tell us what's been going on there? I mean, I think there was a case in August of 2021 that uh, got a lot of press, but wh where we stand on that right now? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, DeFi or decentralized finance is interesting from a government perspective because uh, it poses some special challenges thing where you kind of take out the financial intermediary, it presents a lot of regulatory questions. Who do you regulate? How do you regulate? Right. And so there's been a lot of chatter from different federal regulators about how do we look at this DeFi phenomenon, which has grown explosively. And in August, we did see one case which the SEC brought uh, an enforcement action, which was settled and um, was pitched as the first, really the first enforcement action involving DeFi. Which is interesting, less about the you know the specifics of the case and more about the 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 desire to to send a message. So a couple of interesting things about it. I think one is that it was settled relatively quickly. So um, a lot of these enforcement actions are years in the works, right? And this is one that uh, the the relevant activity ended in February 2021 of this year. So this came out relatively quickly, which is light speed by typical enforcement standards. And um, 
you know, it, it's interesting, mostly in the messaging by the I think the desire to get this out, get it out there, and then the facts of the case. There are a lot of things. If you look at the specific fact patterns, which we, we would distinguish from, uh, I think a lot of the DeFi projects out there would distinguish from the way their particular projects look. The the Polonex case itself, you I mean you said that a lot of people would try to distinguish on the facts, and and as I look at that case, it seemed to have you know maybe a, a stereotypical bad actor in it um, what can the the standard DeFi offer or learn from the polonex case well i think this this is actually the the DeFi money market case which is which is the the DeFi case um and you know there were allegations of fraud right and whenever there are allegations of fraud it you, you know the the sec and courts to a certain extent are pretty aggressive in how they interpret and apply rules as opposed to some situations like like the Polonex case, where there wasn't really an allegation of fraud, right? But but where uh, you know something more you consider a technical violation, right? Where there's not necessarily an indication that someone has been harmed, but there are rules which the SEC expects to be complied with, which they allege haven't been complied with. So when you when you look at the the SEC going forward, are they going to devote significant assets to to getting involved in this space? Um, or is this kind of a, a short-term attention span issue? So I, I think this, the signaling from the SEC, and now we have a lot of congressional interest in this area as well, is that they will continue to be fairly active. You know, obviously the SEC has a very busy play, busy agenda. I think from some of the, the, the speeches and things we've seen out of the SEC recently, um, I think this will continue to be a very active area of, of inquiry. Um, but it's but it but it's but it's interesting in that there's a lot of unsettled issues here, right? So, um, you know, one of the fundamental questions in regulating the space are like, how do you characterize these assets, right? So, you mentioned the Poloniex case where um, it was alleged that you know at least some of these assets were securities without ever specifying which assets were securities, right? And this has kind of been a common thing where. Um, they're, they're saying at least some of these must be securities because there's so many of them, but there's never an indication of which specific assets are securities. And if you followed some of the, the testimony um, with the uh, you know, Senate Banking Committee, um, including yesterday, um, you still see a lot of you know, uncertainty out there about you know, guidance in terms of you know, when is something a security, when is it not? And then <clears throat> derivative of that is, is how you regulate it. Well, so then, then this question goes to, to both of you. The, the SEC seems to have, like you said, a lot on its plate and maybe expanding in new areas. Um, do they have the, the personnel to keep up with, with both of these and their, their normal day jobs? Well, actually, in fact, that was one of the questions that came up in the congressional testimony yesterday. And I think the indication was that they could use a lot more financial resources um, to, to really pursue everything that's on their agenda. Which that may or may not be coming. I, I may lean toward may not be coming. So, you know, if they don't get the, the extra money, where do they put their, where do they put their time into? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, having worked at the SEC uh, many years ago myself, uh, you know, it, it's a very uh, lean organization, always has been. And frankly, I've been I've been pretty surprised and and uh, impressed at how many cases they've been bringing in so many different areas lately. I just don't know that they could keep up that pace. Um, 
you know, for the long for the long haul without hiring a significant amount of staff. So I, I do think if they're going to keep up this sort of pace, they're going to need to uh, increase their budget. And I do think if they're going to continue to take such a hard line uh, across the board on cases and, and then, you know, start going after um, individuals, um, they're going to have to be prepared to actually litigate and try cases, which is going to have just yet a, a greater strain. Uh, on their resources, but for now they're 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 doing it, which, um, like I said, I think based on their their structure is is actually you know pretty impressive. Eric, I'll give you the the last the last word here. Where where do you think the SEC goes next with the these kind of unique and evolving issues? So I think now that the profile um, in this area has has, has risen, um, including with a lot of uh, you know, uh, attention at the federal government level. I think you're going to see a combination of, of things. I think the SEC is going to be going to continue to be very active. And, you know, given limited resources, it will make examples of, of certain people and projects and, and certainly put those out there and some, to some degree regulation by enforcement. I think uh, even the SEC chair suggested they don't have all the tools to fill in some of the necessary, some of the regulatory gaps here. And um, I think there's been some increased interest in Congress in, in rulemaking or, or new legislation potentially. So I think it'll be a, a combination of things. And what I hope is that, you know, that, that, that there's, um, you know, attention paid to, you know, making sure that we, we address legitimate policy concerns and, and, and prevent harms, but that it doesn't stifle innovation, right? And the ability of, of, of people to kind of leverage some of the, the new things, this technology is enabling, um, you know, when it's not exactly clear how it applies, you know, against the backdrop of legacy regulation. So how do you, how do we keep that discussion going front and center? Because the, the cases that grab the headlines are the ones where you've got fraud or something, something a little bit salacious, uh, but people don't want to read articles about policy. So how do you, how do you make sure that these bad actors don't overwhelm the, the policy foundations. It's interesting, you know, I think Eric and I probably come from the, at this a little bit differently, but as a litigator, um, I, I think the defense bar needs to win a few cases. They need to lose a few big cases. And I think that will change some of their internal policy. I always like it when, when lawyers bring it back to the salvation <laughs> for everything is more lawyers. <laughs> well, I, I, I do think in this scenario, um, unfortunately, uh, because as Eric said, the, the staff um, is not currently sitting down and actually trying to, to uh, work with their partners and make policy and are regulating through enforcement. Um, it's really difficult to see any other path other than litigating some of these matters. Um, unless, of course, they, you know, they change their tune, in which case I think the industry would be more than happy to sit down and, and broker policy. Yeah, and, and I would add that, you know, and none of this may be salacious, right? But um, rather than, you know, you've got two ends of the spectrum, one where the SEC takes a very broad view of its authorities and what it's, what it's, what it's able to do. Um, and then the other end, you may have many in the, the cryptocurrency industry, for example, where they view nothing should be regulated, right? And so... I think there's a role for those two you know, voices to come together and determine what is actually meaningful in this context 
because just taking the existing legacy regime and applying it as it is to a completely new class of assets and technologies doesn't lead to the best results from either perspective. I think it's a it's a great a great viewpoint and something to remember if the SEC just gets to pick its cases that settle quickly they they will go down a particular path they they need to be need to be pressed um, and that's the defense bar's goal so and, and when I say salacious I mean relatively salacious for SEC matters so that's that's still a low bar well, thank you both for your time. I appreciate it today. And I'm sure there'll be some more uh, interesting things come out of this and we'll get a chance to talk again soon. Great. Thank you. Thanks, Wayne.